The Forum at 8 on SAFM. It's nine minutes after eight. Thanks so much for uh, tuning in to the forum at eight. Now, when questioned, um, suspects are inclined to say it wasn't them. Whether they are lying or not, the police have no way of telling outright whether the suspect is telling the truth or not. Now, this week, reports about police uh, killing suspects in interrogation emerged where officers uh, in Gauteng have reportedly been coercing confessions from suspects through beatings and mock executions. On the Forum at 8 this morning, we ask, what sort of interrogation techniques does the South African Police Service use to get the truth from suspects? And we did invite the police uh, for this discussion, and uh, they have uh, declined uh, to participate. But we have with us this morning Dominic uh, Dix-Peak, who is a senior researcher at uh, the Centre for the Study of Violence and Reconciliation. Thanks so much for your time this morning. Good morning. Thank you very much for having me on. Now, Dominic, uh, you research, um, you know, issues around uh, torture and police violence. And and when it comes to, you know, issues such as interrogation, how exactly do the police go about carrying out this function? Well, I think that the first thing that's really important to say is that there isn't any one torture method. So, any you know, there are multiple methods that may be used. Um, and the other thing that's important to to consider is that they're typically done behind closed doors. It's not in the view of the public. Um, so it's really exceptional cases where uh, the public actually sees what happens. Uh, in cases where, for instance, the social media gets involved, people take uh, cell phone videos of the the scene or something like that. But that's really exceptional cases. And maybe just to say that... Um, you know, cell phones and social media can really be used to try to stop these kinds of acts happening. Now, are there, you know, some groups, are some social groups more prone to becoming victims of, you know, uh, interrogations uh, that could turn violent uh, 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 to become victims of torture? Um, or, you know, uh, is it a one-size-fits-all approach for the most part? Well, what we found is that... Um, Torture is, has been seen to be normalized um, in some communities. So people will um, see police beatings or police violence, for instance, as normal, and they don't see it as torture. Um, this typically happens with the uh, people who are unemployed, may have um, pity, uh, crime, have been in, uh, part of petty crime or, or um, involved in some co- kind of crime. And uh, typically they're unemployed and they're educated and, um, and are in conflict with the law. But what we found as well is that it's not just these people because you, you then have a situation where um, other people, people who aren't involved in any type of crime, um, may be tortured because they appear to be suspect. And so there's um, an extension of this type of crime uh, to the general population. And so one of the important things that we found is that torture actually doesn't help anything. Um, It causes fear amongst the public. And also um, it's not just used as a crime preventative mechanism. Um, It can be... uh, 
seen with uh, the general public as well. I think what is worrying is, uh, you know, when you say that uh, uh, this uh, behavior becomes normalized and once wild can understand, whilst one can understand that people who may be in conflict with the law, you know, would uh, not uh, report this. Why do others who are aware of it or who have witnessed it, why do they not report torture when they see it? I think that there's, um, I mean, obviously there are power relations that happen in in situations. Um, also, there are uh, indications, you know, South Africa is a very violent community. Um, we have a very violent way of dealing with things, and the public actually wants to know that crime is being dealt with decisively. Um, and so there's a lot of pressure on the police to deal with crime, and unfortunately, one of the ways that that happens is that um, torture methods are used. You know, the, the police use uh, violence in order to try and uh, deal with crime in a decisive manner. And so the public may not um, see the use of violence as something bad because it's seen as something um, that's able to deal with violence and crime in South Africa. Now, from your research, uh, Dominic, what are some of the common interrogation techniques that the South African police service actually employ? You know, uh, when I was um, considering what to say about this question, I think that the important thing in this is that no violence should be used against um, citizens of South Africa. So when, uh, when you consider what the power relations are between the police and its citizens, um, the fact that the police are in a powerful situation means that they have more responsibility not to use um, excessive violence. Uh, so my my feeling on the matter is whether it's a beating or whether a shock is used or something else, um, nothing actually justifies the use of violence against the citizens of South Africa. Well, uh, when if you've just joined us, the question we are asking this morning, what we're looking at is what interrogation techniques are the South African police services employing at the moment to get uh, information from suspects? And if you've been interrogated by the police, we'd love to hear from you as well. 891 is the number to dial. Tell us what your experience has been. Or perhaps you've witnessed or you were aware of someone who had been uh, uh, interrogated or tortured by the police. Did you report it? If so, why uh, did you? And if not, why did you not report it? Because I just want to run through some of the messages coming through here, uh, Dominique. KB um, Malafane says, I'm so afraid of the cops. I don't even want to get arrested because the cops will beat us up uh, when you complain and they protect each other. You will be sent from pillar to post. Another one from uh, Lamla Gush says, the only method uh, they know is torture. So, uh, you know, um, if, if this is the, the, the public's perception of the police, surely then we have a problem. Absolutely. There's definitely a problem. And one of the, the difficulties is that um, the police are sitting in a very difficult situation where they're supposed to deal with crime decisively, but also deal with it in a democratic way. And there's a lot of pressure on the, from the public and from politicians um, 
And so torture is used as a method. Um, and what it really does is it undermines the public's trust in the police. So rather than the police being seen as a police service, you know, someone who is there to assist the community, that trust has been eroded over a number of years. And in fact, I mean, you could argue that there there was difficulties from prior to the South Africa, you know, the democratic dispensation, um, where the trust in the police was eroded. And I think that strong methods or mechanisms were never really put in place to try and deal with that. So the trust has continuously been broken down, and unfortunately what it means is that people are afraid to use the police, and they're not seen as a police service. But is there any hope of fixing that, Dominique? I think that there is. Um, I think one of the the important things is that there needs to be um, strong accountability measures put into place. Um, So that includes um, people reporting these kinds of things, but that not just the reporting happens, that that the police are actually charged and um, there's, there's a strong criminal justice system that goes with it. Um, one of the difficulties has been that very few police have been prosecuted after torture, and we need that to change. So the IPID, um, the Independent Police Investigative Directorate, needs to have strong mechanisms in place that will deal with these kinds of things. Mm. But, um, but shouldn't we be preventing them first off rather than uh, depending on uh, bodies like IPA to deal with uh, police officers absolutely. who have transgressed? Because what does that say about, uh, you know, uh, the, the, the uh, psychology that is employed here and, 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 and the people who actually perpetrate these sorts of deeds? Absolutely. Um, we do need to, to deal with it before it becomes a problem. And that does mean putting... Um, mechanisms in place like uh, trainings. We have a very good um, training system for the police in South Africa, but I don't think that they're used consistently in the very short term. So it needs to be a long-term strategy where people see that um, the police, the trainings for the police are based on um, democratic principles where violence isn't used. Um, and the other thing is that, as I said, there is a, um, a contradiction for the police in terms of what they're supposed to be doing, because there's strong rhetoric from uh, politicians to say that they need to deal with crime decisively. Mm-hmm. And those kinds of statements like um, maximum use of force and you know shoot all criminals, those kinds of things, really put a... Um, strain and pressure on the police. And so those kinds of statements need to be really thought about and decided whether or not that's the system and what the impact is of those kinds of statements. Because if we're looking at those kinds of statements, then it's basically saying to the police that they should be using stronger methods of um, police force. And that does erode the um, way that the public trusts the police. So in fact we need to be looking at a long term solution in terms of how the politicians talk about uh, dealing with crime.
On the forum update this morning, what interrogation techniques does the South African Police Service employ to get uh, truth from suspects? So that is uh, what is under scrutiny in uh, the discussion this morning. Perhaps you've been interrogated yourself. Perhaps you've been tortured. Perhaps uh, you know of uh, someone who has been through this. And uh, tell us exactly what goes on. 0891-104-208. Our guest this morning, uh, Dominique Dix-Peak, who is a senior researcher at the Center for uh, the Study of violence and reconciliation. And um, I see we also have with us um, at the moment uh, Bushy Engelbrecht, who's a former police officer. But Bushy, I'm going to ask you to just hold that because I promise the listeners I'll come to them immediately after the break. So I just want to hear what they have to say and then we'll go to Bushy Engelbrecht. Uh, Sunil in Durban, good morning. Yes, um, I'd just like to uh, uh, bring up a situation I had with the Johannesburg Metro Police, right? Uh, I was following uh, somebody from, I'm from Durban, so I went uh, visiting relatives in Johannesburg. And uh, I was following this person at night. Uh, we went out to a venue, and uh, the Johannesburg Metro Police pulled him off to do a routine check. So I pulled off behind the car, and uh, the lady that was uh, doing the routine check uh, uh, shouted at me that she was not stopping me, and she instructed me to move on. So I told her I am following this man, and I because I'm not from Johannesburg, and I don't know my way around. And I, uh, she still shouted at me, and I went a further about another 20 meters, and I pulled off on the side of the road, waiting for this inspection to finish. And she continued. Uh, she got. In, she went into a state of rage, and uh, she kept on shouting at me to keep on moving on. I told her I have no choice but to wait. And then she started getting violent with me. Right? This is a metro police. She's getting violent with me. Eventually, she started doing things like poking me in my eye, right? just because I pulled off on the side of the road. Because I had no choice but to pull off because I was following someone. I did not know the area. Okay? And uh, eventually, uh, they, 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 they cuffed me and they took me to the, the, uh, the nearest police station. And they put me in a holding cell. Right, mm-hmm. and uh, I, uh, I stood there, and uh, uh, when it came to, I had to make bail. Then I had to go to the uh, the officer on duty there at that uh, that night, and uh, now he's asking me all sorts of funny, irrelevant questions. You know, after I gave him my details, and then he's asking me all. What sorts were you of charged with, Sunil? Well, they they, they charged me with the. Uh, uh, because you see, initially, before they before they cuffed me, I was asking what is uh, I was asking what's the problem about the whole thing. And when they cuffed me, I started to uh, move my hand away from the from the officer that tries to cuff me because I don't know why they uh, because I'm I didn't know myself why they are cuffing me. Then she says, "No, we are, we are we are going to arrest you for resisting arrest." Now I told her, "Why must I be arrested in the first place? Because uh, you're the one that poked me in my eye." And uh, you, you treated me with violence, okay? And I told her that I have no choice. I had no choice but to react in that way. And then uh, they put me in the back of the van and they, and they took me over. And uh, this was, I was with my, my son who was about three at the time. And I was with my mother who was, who was in her 70s. And my wife was there. And they were all traumatized by the whole situation. And uh, I went over and uh, when, I, when, the, when the police officer asked me what, like, Example like what what happened and etc. Uh, and then he's asking me uh, before he can make bail. He says your bail will will will, uh, will decide on what football team you support. Now I don't know whether that's interrogation or not, right? And 
I, 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 so, I found it very strange, mm-hmm. you know. I, 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 so I just. So what eventually just, happened, Sunil? Well, eventually, uh, they, uh, he, he, uh, I don't know whether he was impressed with my answer or the fact that I told him that I don't watch football because I don't want to get involved with this kind of thing. See, so okay. I just said, and then he put me back in the cell. And then I, I, I mean, I'm lucky. My relative was uh, was there with me, and he supported me. And then he went and withdrew the uh, bail money. Okay. So, so, and, so how uh, did all of this end? Well, you know, did you go to court? What, 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 yes. what happened? Now, what this happened? Is, this is this is what this is what's so upsetting about the whole situation is because after that I had to appear in court. Now I had to ask for leave, which my manager wasn't impressed with because we were short staff at the time. Uh, eventually, I got the leave after begging for it and. I, I ended up going to the, uh, I think it was the Randburg Magistrate Court, and uh, I appeared in court. It was a big wait, and you know, there was a big, it was, it was just very upsetting. Uh, and uh, then the, 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 the judge, instead of resolving the situation there, she asked me to reappear uh, about two, two or three weeks later. So I had to go back to Durban, and then <laughs> I had to fly back to Johannesburg, only to, for the judge to say, uh, we can't understand why this case came to court. Now, I can't understand how come the judge couldn't tell me, tell it to me uh, the day I appeared. You know, uh, mm. it, 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 it costed me a flight. Um, I mean, uh, I had to fly up to Joburg, uh, you know, and, okay. and get my, you know, it's... it's, it's no, we it's, hear you, Sunil. And, yeah, and, it's a very, you know, it's, I don't know how many other people are going through much worse than I'm going through. Okay. And, and, I've, and I've heard of worse situations where uh, police have, uh, uh, have held, uh, like youngsters, you know, uh, vulnerable youngsters who just got their license involved in um, uh, accidents and held them for like over 12 hours without food. Okay. Thanks so much, Sunil, for sharing that with us. And um, his story there, and then we'll come back, we, we will unpack this. Uh, police interrogation is what we are focusing on uh, this morning. Uh, have you uh, had a brush with the law, with the police, and what actually transpired? Hassan Logat, good morning. Sakina, hi. You need to interrogate why the police don't come and talk to us here. I mean, the way the police acts is really a big indictment on our democracy. They refuse to discuss what they do. I mean, really, and if you say it's a police state or increasingly becoming such, then people get very upset. But why don't they give the other view? So I'm actually quite worried. We can't discuss simply what methods that are being used if the police don't want to account for mm-hmm. what it is. And if there's no public discussion, I mean, if something happens to a Tembelife resident or someone protesting for their rights, it may not be me, but it undermines me and everyone else if we let it go on. So clearly the police have something to answer, and there must be some redress. I mean, Saudi wants uh, uh, sunshine journalism. He must, he must say, well, the police want us to talk about their parade. We won't talk about it until you come and talk to us about issues that are important to our democracy. Well, thank you so much, Hassan Logat. And uh, just to uh, reiterate, we did invite uh, the South African Police Service to uh, be a part of this discussion this morning, and uh, they have uh, respectfully declined. So uh, that's where that's at. The discussion goes on nonetheless, and it seems as though we have quite a number of people coming on to talk about uh, their experiences at the hand of uh, the South African Police Service. And uh, if someone from the police, high brass, is listening and you change your mind, feel free to give us a shout so we can still include you uh, in this debate. This morning uh, we ask what interrogation techniques uh, do the South African police services employ uh, to get uh, information out of suspects? Have you perhaps been a victim and boy did the floodgates open. But we do have with us uh, Bushy Engelbrecht. Thank you so much for uh, affording us your time this morning. 
Good morning. Thanks for inviting me. Now, you are a former police officer. Perhaps you can shed some light uh, for us with regard to this particular matter. Uh, in terms of the training, you know, when uh, police receive their training, what are the acceptable, uh, the lawful methods that they should be employing? Well, uh, you're talking about interrogation, uh, you know, there's, uh, when you go on, on a detective course, for instance, and some other courses as well, but even in your basic courses, you get introduced to uh, interrogation techniques, and I can assure you there's definitely no indication or any any uh, uh, part of that lecture that demands uh, uh, police violence or, or anything like that. So the, the subject itself is quite... Uh, lengthy and, and, and we don't have enough time to discuss that at all but basically you have to recognize the rights of the uh, of the suspect and and of course for the general public everyone in, in, in this country I and mean, in the world of course so uh, you may not abuse or uh, assault and and, and and make use of underhand methods to uh, extract information from that person and if you do so uh, you run the risk of, of uh, do harm to your case. A suspect can lay a charge of assault or assault GBH against you. And even worse, when the person has been killed, you know, murder or attempted murder. So you run the risk of, of, of jeopardizing your case, your own career. And, uh, yeah, that is basically that. But the techniques that we were taught was to to, to, to uh, sit with a person and talk him or her into confession, admissions, and so forth, but it's not always that easy. So what one has to do, and this is in a very, uh, just in a nutshell, is, is that um, I propose that you study your suspect and look for weak points and if you can identify someone, I'm going to use one or two examples. Uh, a person, uh, maybe the, the the mother of the suspect, is a person that would be able to persuade a son to, to, to rather tell the truth and uh, come clean with that. So there's many ways that you can use it. I remember an incident many years ago where myself and uh, another policeman sat basically from 9 o'clock the evening until 4 o'clock the next morning and this person who was suspected of having murdered his wife did not want to make any admissions or uh, confessions and when we started talking about religion uh, he changed his whole attitude and then took us outside where he had even the knife and he made a confession uh, so yeah you just have to determine who the person is you are dealing with. Mm. That, that is very important. But as you say, it is not an easy task. But it would seem as though, you know, uh, more and more people are exposed to violence during this particular uh, process when the interrogation happens. And and I'm sure during your time as a police officer, Bushy Engelbrecht, this also happened. Uh, but people were uh, violently assaulted even back then. So why? Why do a police feel the need to go over to violence in the event that they are not making headways with a suspect? Yeah, that's a very difficult question to ask, you know, and um, uh, to answer, sorry. Uh, it is, uh, I mean, 
there may be policemen that believe that to save time, he hasn't got time or the interrogation skills to persuade the person to, to make a confession or admission. Uh, when I talk about time, is to sit hours with a person, you know, uh, trying to persuade him, etc., uh, uh, etc., et to make a confession. Then uh, they revert to underhand methods like giving the guy a slap or threatening him, and that is, of course, illegal. And that's the risk they run of, of being charged. And that's also the risk you run when this evidence comes to the fore during a trial, that you lose your whole case of it. So it's a very delicate story, but you cannot, and I will certainly not uh, uh, recommend that uh, assault must be used uh, in, in, you know, to get someone to make an admission mm. or, or a confession. But, but, but why so, do the uh, yeah, police... Yeah, and it happens. You know. Why do they cover up for each other, as some of our uh, listeners are alleging this morning, that it doesn't matter if you try to um, actually report this type of behavior or the assaults, they would cover up for one another. And, and, and once again, I'm going to, you know, venture a guess that even during your time, this was happening. Yeah, I think it happened since the early days when policing started, even in difficult times that uh, assault and, and, and underhand methods were applied. But um, what I want to, to, to say is, is that of late, I've experienced it, uh, that I don't find the, the, the thingy policemen that we used to have, or not that all policemen are thingy, but... Uh, uh, I, I worked in many roadblocks, and, and, and you know, it, it was our duty and our motto to be fair towards persons and to ask them for their driver's licenses and so forth. And if you go look for the suspect at home, of course you will make a lot of noise and other. That is just to instill fear because the person inside the house may be, uh, may be armed. So when they believe that there's a whole army of policemen outside, they, the, the chances of them reacting are very dumb. But it did happen many times that they took up arms and, 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 and started fighting the police. But of late, uh, I just want to take the normal attitude of, of policemen on the road is when they pull you off, and this happened to me the other day, uh, pull you off and this chap was yelling, screaming at me and and. and uh, okay, of course, he had a whole uh, congregation watching him and enjoying the fact that he uh, pulled me off and uh, something that I asked him, you know, what did I do wrong? And there was nothing that I did wrong. So um, I was, and he didn't know I'm a police officer or a former police officer, so uh, uh, he asked me for my driver's license in a very rude manner. And what I did was to, to phone my wife in the quiet, and when he heard her asking me, she said, yeah, what is there something wrong, then he realized that uh, she was listening in on my motorphone. So, uh, yeah, and uh, he did change his whole attitude. He, uh, he, he, he saw that I was a, a private investigating officer, my card was in, the, in my wallet, and he changed his attitude mm. from like, you know, turning a page and then he guided me out because I was lost and he guided me out to the freeway and very helpfully stopped again and shook my hand and that is the type of police officer I'd like to see.
And you know when when they 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 uh, start pointing fingers at you and they abuse you, they swear at you. They are confrontational, and the the general public should not leave it like that. Go and report it. Even if you are chased away, there are other bodies uh, like Opat and that to mm. whom you can report it. You should, and 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 just report and, and you know if you just take just find out how many millions of rands are being paid out in civil matters and all of it because of their abuse. And if you compare it with 10, 20 years ago, it's, it's enormous. And, you know, I mentioned that our senior management meetings and said, you know, we could have bought so many vehicles in there. So why was the person being arrested for picking cases in there? All right. Why not a warning system? Yeah, there's a lot of mm. things to take and, and, and there really is so much. And, and, and I really appreciate you speaking to us this morning, uh, Bushy Engelbrecht, a former police officer. I want to go back to the lines. I want to hear what people are saying. Uh, Ndala Ngati says, it strikes me as odd that in a current case, this Panayotu case, the co-accused was beaten up so badly, his face was swollen. Uh, did he resist, uh, 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 resist arrest, perhaps? And, um, you know, those are the questions because even the judge asked, oh, you know, why do you look like that? What happened to you? So all of these things, you know, come to the fore. So let's speak to John in Durban. John, good morning. Uh, Sakila, it's not about torture, but it's about intimidation. I just want to tell you something, two different examples. My youngest son is at Tux. He goes through from Kenton Park. Uh, every morning he pulls into a parking area, but he has to wait outside. The cops came in. They told him he, he can't wait there, but he said everyone waits there every morning. And uh, so he pulled the car further over onto, onto the left, and then they came in and took his keys and rode away. Uh, he phoned my daughter to come through from Kempton Park, uh, uh, and I was livid. I phoned the station commander there. I forget what it is, what it was, there by, by the university. Hold on, John. What do you and mean they took his keys and drove away? For what? They well, took his what keys was the reason? Out of his ignition, and they rode off. So what they did is they tried to fight me. They went round the block. And apparently they brought it back, but by that time my daughter was already halfway to, to, to Pretoria. Uh, uh, so she carried on to the station commander, but he called them in, he traced them, found out which officers it was, he castigated them in front of my daughter, he told my son that there was additional parking at the showgrounds uh, for free, etc., uh, and apologized. That's one case. Uh, in Edenvale, my wife, my ex-wife, took a, a, a wrong turn up a one-way. She had a bit of a blonde or a senior moment. But they really turned the car with my daughter in the car and faced the other way when the cops stopped them. He didn't even have a ticket book on him, but he was trying to get a bribe. And then my ex started uh, uh, filming him. We've got it on camera, uh, uh, on, on, the, on the phone. You can actually see his hand coming past my daughter's face to try and grab the phone. Uh, we took it to Edenvale. We took them the evidence. They did absolutely nothing. That is the difference. It's all up to the station commanders and the people in charge. All right. John, thank you so much for sharing that with us, John in Durban. Uh, Kitcha in, Dur- in Johannesburg, good morning. Morning, sir. How are you? Well, and you? Ooh. Uh, okay. Kitcha. Uh, okay. We'll come back to you in just a moment. Anonymous in Vereniging. Hello, good morning. Good morning. Oh, how are you? Well, and you, Anonymous. Okay, I just want to give my encounter with the police in Pernasen. 
Go for so it. So what happened? Yeah, I was coming from work. I was putting my overalls. All of a sudden, the police, they come and fetch me. When they fetch me, <laughs> they come and took me to the police station. After that, when we were at the police station, uh, we managed, I mean, I managed to go home. When we were at home, the two other policemen, they came and fetched me again. Then I asked them, what are they doing in my house? And they said, they got instruction that we have to come and fetch me. My wife was there, I've got my six kids there, and they have these small kids. And now when they took me to the police station, right in the police station, they pushed me until my teeth broke, my front two front teeth. So when I was trying to pick up my these two francis, they wanted to take them and throw away. Then I bite one into the hand because they wanted to take a teeth. They put me into the closing cell. It was on a Friday. After that, they hit me and broke my ribs. And after that, I mean, they hit me a lot. From there, from Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I was having internal bleed. On a Monday, that's when I went to the doctor. I went and see Mr. Fandamerva, the dentist, I mean, and the doctor, and they have a doctor's report. And I reported the case of assault. Then it was referred to the advocate Nancy. I mean, that was in 2010 to 2004. Then advocate Nancy did nothing. There were five policemen on a particular day. On the court date, the date dragged for two years. When we were in the court, I mean, you can see... The people, they brought the different people and they know who are the police, who were they. Then after that, the judge said, no, but in this case, these are not the people who were on duty, but they know exactly who was on duty. So in this case, on my side, when I see or when I hear a policeman being killed, I saw, oh, thanks to heaven, my revenge. Even if I can see a police being murdered, or I would rather prefer to help than I mean, helping a policeman. Oh, my goodness. I mean, no, Anonymous, uh, please rethink that particular stance. Uh, you know, I, I think it, it, it's very important that we just clarify a few things here. We shouldn't conflate issues. On the one hand, yes, we are placing a spotlight on the interrogation techniques that police employ and, you know, highlighting where things go wrong. And that does not mean, however, that we condone, you know, uh, illegal acts and, 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 and um, acts of violence perpetrated against police. By no means. We would actually condemn those in the strongest possible terms. That, that is never acceptable. But I don't want us to conflate issues here this morning. We are putting a spotlight on the things that actually go wrong. But never, never and never will I ever sit here and condone the killing or even the assault and ill-treatment of police officers. So let's just be clear on that. Fran in in Parktown, good morning. Yes, hi. I think I just want to clarify a couple of things from our Constitution. In the Bill of Rights under Freedom and Security of the Person... Um, There are two rights which are non-derogable, which means that they are not limited in any way. And these are not to be tortured in any way and not to be treated or punished in a cruel, inhumane or degrading way. Now, these are absolute rights. And I think we've got to remember this when we listen to the stories we're listening to this morning. Mm. 
No, thanks so much, uh, Fran, for uh, pointing that out to us. And of course, uh, you know, we'll continue taking your calls. I want to read some of your messages. Um, this one from Mamba and Louis Trichard says, the challenge is uh, that criminals do not employ democratic principles. They use violent tactics against the police. And an unsigned one says, most of those accused of Syrian, uh, serious and violent crimes claim uh, various standard forms of torture, but when tested in court, their claims are found to be baseless. Sarah says, uh, the police Police drive up uh, up and down past the drug houses knowing about them, yet nothing is done. And uh, if you dare approach them about that, uh, certainly you'll be in trouble. And then another one says, a young lady joined the police and was given a gun on the first day. Well, surely she would have been trained, wouldn't she? Um, I'm just asking. Maybe you can send another SMS, SMS to clarify that. Eddie in Woodendalsris says, um, we need to be careful with this issue so that we don't give criminals space. We need trained and honest police force. Um, high rate of criminal activities require strong measures within constitutional boundaries. Hard uh, criminals, hardened criminals deserve hard measures. Our streets are overflowing with the blood of innocent and souls. That's Eddie and Udendalsfris. This one says, they tried uh, to put my head in a plastic bag until I passed out and I almost died and I don't want to see the police. And another one says, um, what must the police do when a criminal is caught in the act and refuses to identify his accomplices who managed to flee the scene of the crime? He must, uh, must they pay? Well, surely they mustn't torture him. Surely they can't beat him up. You know, let me bring in Bushy Engelbrecht here. Bushy, I mean, the police, they apprehend a criminal. He refuses to give any more information. What should happen then? No, they just can't beat him up there and, and, you know, just to get the names of the accomplices. That is why you have investigators that are specially trained and you remove that person to the police station where you uh, apprehend him and you start with the interrogation process, find out who his friends are. There's many things that can be done, but to start beating a guy up just there and then to find out who these others are, then uh, that's that's a wrong attitude and that obviously leads to a lot of people believing that the police are abusing their rights. And, and I must reiterate here that there's two types of policemen. The poor ones, the bad ones that it goes for briberies and goes for intimidation and just looking for trouble when they, 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 they deal with members of the public and then of course the others, the art workers, the guys that really put their lives on the line and, 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 and are real true blue policemen and I had the honor of working with them. For many, many, many years. Mm. And then uh, this one here from Codename Spider Man says a militarized police force such as the SAPS cannot be expected to serve the public, uh, trust, and protect the innocent. What's your response to that, Dominique? Do yeah, you think, I mean, I think that the militarization has had an impact on uh, how the SAPS actually operates? I think that it has, um, and as I said before, uh, when there's, um, you know, strong words that, um, a strong rhetoric that encourages the use of violence, that does have an impact on the way that the police run their their work. But I just want to agree with Engelbrecht. I think that there are, um, the large proportion of police are really good at what they do. Um, 
and are there to serve the public. And it's uh, very few who are um, using these kinds of techniques to get information or to um, deal with crime in the way that they do. So you see, it's, it's, it's interesting how often that argument is put forward. But if that is the case, why is it so difficult within a, a controlled environment to actually root out the bad apples? I mean, you know, surely it, it, it cannot continue forever in a day, Bushy. I don't know where Bushy went. But anyway, let's go oh, back. No, I'm here. I'm with you. Sorry. I didn't know you asked me the question. I missed that. Sorry. No, that, you know, it starts with recruitment and then your uh, continuous training and, of course, then management at the station and, and, and provincial level, but especially at stations. That uh, and, and then, uh, you know, I always say that it's the way you were brought up as well. Respect people around you and... and, and and you will gain the respect of the public. And there's a huge gap now at the moment uh, pertaining to that because I see a lot, I hear that I'm, I'm a private investigator for the past five years since my retirement, and I see and hear these things on a daily basis, how people are being confronted by policemen and, and intimidated. And uh, then, of course, instilling fear and then taking them to ATM so that they can draw money and pay this torture, you know, bribery money. That is what has been done. And this is, uh, it's sickening. So, uh, yeah, there's a lot to be done by management and police uh, from the top downwards to, 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 to get the members to, to, to become a service delivery uh, police service and not the military. You, you have to have your paramilitary uh, guys in the police and if you append a, uh, a very dangerous criminal, I mean, you can't mm. go there with, uh, you know, without a, a gun uh, or, or not properly armed and, 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 and just likely asking to come out and go to prison. It doesn't work like that. So, uh, but the general police, the police, the general, you know, uh, on, on general duties, we've been seen every day on the streets in uniform. They are the, the they the window of the South African police, and this is where the problem lies. All of us, even I, with 43 years' service in, in SAT, uh, you know, you you see them, and then you start wondering, okay, what are they going to do now to stop me and to ask for money or do something wrong? But uh, it's not all of them, like I said earlier. There's still good policemen and friendly policemen, but unfortunately, they're even minority now. Well, unfortunately, um, you know, uh, we can't take any more calls at this point. Uh, this one says um, uh, some of the uh, messages are still coming through. Uh, Mitch, uh, who says, a question to be asked from the suspect to link him or her with the commission of an offense. Where, what, who, how, which, when. If they can ask thoroughly, the suspect can be brought to book immediately without being threatened. And then uh, Mubango says, uh, these guys are heartless. My friend said that they once put a refuse uh, plastic bag around his head. Uh, from there, they kicked him all over except his face. And he was supposed to admit that he was guilty, whereas he wasn't. And a few uh, more of those coming through as well. People uh, telling us of uh, what 
what uh, they were asked to do. Someone said, you know, uh, he was asked to strip naked and and, and then paraded. Uh, That's how the interrogation was uh, supposed to be conducted. And it's just crazy. Again, a pity that the police couldn't join us this morning, but I have absolutely no doubt that uh, they were listening. And hopefully something will be done uh, in the upper echelons of uh, that institution to try and address uh, these issues. But to our guest this morning, uh, Dominique uh, Dix-Peak and Bushy Engelbrecht, thank you so much for your time and for helping us out uh, in trying to understand this particular process. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. And uh, to you, as always, uh, our fantastic listeners, thanks for making sure uh, that uh, you weighed in and shared your stories with us. Some of them are really gruesome. But, of course, you know, uh, this is something that cannot be condoned. Uh, as someone was saying, uh, you only need to look at uh, the number of civil cases brought against the police to know that something is definitely wrong. So the interrogation techniques, yes, there's a right way of doing it, as Bushy Engelbrecht was explaining, but obviously the wrong way is creeping in all too often. So uh, hopefully that will stop. And you need to do your part in that you need to report when things go wrong. And that's how we're going to close it uh, this morning for the Forum at 8. And of course, thanks to the production team for making sure it went out loud and clear. Thanks for your participation as always. And of course, uh, we'll be back with you again tomorrow between 6 and 9 a.m. Right now it's 9 o'clock. Time for news with Vakshni Chetty Miller.